Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. With a question, and our question for today is, how do we activate God's power in our lives? How do we activate God's power in our lives? And this, this thought of how do we activate God's power in our lives, um, this question seems overly simplistic, but I feel like it's every question, uh, every Christian's thought process is, I hear about these stories, I hear other people's stories, um, I'm trying to do my best and forget the rest, but really, how do I see God's power in my life? Y'all know what I'm saying? And we're gonna we're gonna look <laughs> we're gonna look majorly at um, the book of Daniel uh, for the for the first part of our message today. And there's so much in the book of Daniel, but the reason that we're gonna focus on on this spot is because. Uh, the 21 day fast that comes from Daniel. He's the one that, that really inspires the 21 day fast that it's called the Daniel fast. And we're going to look at what this fast was like for Daniel so that we can kind of take away clues and pick up of how, what we should expect in our lives based on what happened in Daniel's life. So often we just take little parts of the Bible and we don't look at the full script, the full scripture before and after. Y'all know what I'm saying? And we just take like the coffee mug quotes and we don't really get the full glimpse. And so let's, we're going to jump around in Daniel a lot. But in Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 through 3, it says, It was the first year of the reign of Darius the Mede, the son of Ahasuerus. That's obviously a dinosaur. Um, <laughs> who became king of the Babylonians. During the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, learned from reading the word of the Lord as revealed to Jeremiah the prophet that Jerusalem must lie desolate for 70 years. So I turned to the Lord and I pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. I also wore rough burlap and sprinkled myself with ashes. I want to stop there and I want us to look at the surprising power in basic and simple devotion. What Daniel is talking about is he's literally saying they're in cap- Israel, all of the Jews, all of Israel is in captivity by Babylon. And, and there's, uh, and in this time, all of their nation was destroyed and they're in captivity and they're praying to God, God, you promised that you'd make us a nation, but here we are in captivity and there's so much confusion of what was going on. And for us, we, we know the future and we see, well, God was, you know, ca- causing judgment to happen over them, blah, blah, blah. But here it says that Daniel learned from reading the word of the Lord that Jeremiah the prophet predicted and prophesied that, that Israel was going to be in captivity for 70 years because of the sin of Israel. And, and from there... Daniel recollected and is like, well, we're almost at 70 years in captivity. And so he starts praying and fasting 
praying for God to finish the word and to end the captivity. And so he's literally praying for the word of God to pass. And the reason that this is so powerful is because where did, how did he get this profound revelation that started this, this movement of the 21-day fast? It was from him just simply reading the word of the Lord. He was just reading the Bible. He's reading the Torah, the, the, the teachings of the prophets, the, um, the Old Testament. And while he was reading that, he got this profound revelation that gave him a sense of direction, not only for himself, but for his entire country. It's, that was such a powerful revelation that he got and is inspired by his simple readings and his devotions of reading the Bible. And so often in our lives, we, we, after we're doing like church or Christianity for a minute, we start thinking to ourselves, well, I need, a, I need something more. I need to go on to, I need to try to find something that really feeds my spirit. I don't know, you know how many people I've talked to that ask him like, oh, what church do you go to or yada, yada. And usually everyone says, well, I was going here for quite some time, but I just wasn't really getting fed. And so I went to another church and now they're really teaching powerful stuff. Y'all know what I'm saying? And, and there is some, like, I get the, the truths in that. But the reality is, we're all seeking more of God in our lives, but we're looking externally for it to come to us when it happens internally within us. And it says that he turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and fasting. These are the most basics of devotion. Reading the Bible, praying, fasting, those are the most simplest forms of de devotion. And it was just those things that, that were so powerful that it provoked the miraculous in Daniel's life. In the book of Daniel, he has, he's known as having uh, these, these apocalyptic visions that, that reference not only in those times, but even in the ages to come. And he, it's such like a prophetic book to where you see like, man, he's having all these visions. That's where Archangel Gabriel comes into play, Michael. And that's where it, all these terms, even like the term guardian angels, because Gabriel says, I'm your, I'm your angel that, that, that is for you. And it has so much mystery in this book of Daniel. And what provokes all of this was reading the Bible, prayer, and fasting. The most advanced outcomes happen from the most simplest and basic forms of devotion. Y'all get what I'm saying? And even though we, we think that we need to do something really crazy or find a teaching that is like so mysterious that, that if I find the secret of the Bible, the secret of God, then I'll unlock a Holy Spirit power in my life. Y'all know what I'm saying? I need to find the Hebrew text and really unpack it and search deeper to find a truth about God that was hidden for ages. And here, Daniel's just reading the Bible like basic. Just the basics, the basics, the basics, the simplicity of God. He makes himself so knowable that we don't have to, to jump and shout to get his attention. Let me, let me read a little bit further on. In chapter 9, verse 20 through 23, he has this crazy vision. 
And then it says, I went on praying and confessing my sin and the sins of my people, pleading with the Lord, my God, for Jerusalem, his holy mountain. I was praying, Gabriel, uh, as I was praying, Gabriel, whom I had seen in the earlier vision, came swiftly to me at the time of the evening sacrifice. He explained to me, Daniel, I have come to give you insight and understanding. The moment you began praying, a command was given. And now I'm here to tell you what it was, for you are very precious to God. Listen carefully so that you can understand the meaning of your vision. Wouldn't everybody here like to have an angel just come and tell you like you are precious and meaningful to God? As soon as you started praying, it activated heaven. Like, hell yeah, <laughs> that'd be great. But instead, we pray like, God, do you even care about me? Do you even hear? Are my prayers even going past the ceiling? We don't, we don't feel like this is really going on. And notice that God can speak to us anywhere. Truly, God can speak to us anywhere. And through just about anyone. There's a point in the Bible where God opened the mouth of a donkey to speak to somebody. That makes me feel really good as a pastor. <laughs> if God could use a donkey, then I think he might be able to use me because <laughs> I'm not far off. <laughs> Y'all got that right? I don't want to say it, but... <laughs> <laughs> okay, that, thank you, Mary Kate. So God can speak to us anywhere, but he often speaks, us, speaks to us where we're most expected. He often speaks to us in the places most expected, like at church. Like how many times have you been at church and you were and all of a sudden you, you heard something said and you're like, oh my gosh, it all makes sense now. It's, it's like at church is where it simply happens and where, where you meet God. It's a place if you're ever not knowing where to meet God, if you go to church, you'll, that's the best place to start. Again, you don't have to wait for church. I'm not trying to say that we should be dependent on church. You can meet God anywhere, in, in your own home, at your closet. Some of the best moments of my life with God have been by myself, taking a shower. All of a sudden, i just praying and felt God really powerfully speak to me. You know, in those moments, it is so great to be surprised by God. But when you need an expectation from Him, a place where you, you are searching and you're not waiting for a surprise, Go to the place most expected to see him. Y'all know what I'm saying? I mean, think about, think about Passover. Well, why is it at church? Well, what makes church so special? Beyond it being just a simple place that's expected, that like the expectation of faith, you know what I'm saying? But think about all the people that are associated with church, praying for the people of church. You're, you're multiplying efforts in prayer. Rather than just saying, God, it's just me and you, you're throwing yourself in the wave of prayer of others that don't even know you, but they're praying for God to speak to those people of that church. Mm -hmm. They're praying for God to help and assist people of that church. And so you're, you're getting free prayers. When you, and that's why it's such a place that you're able to meet God. It's a place where people regularly worship God. You know, if, if, if we compare how often God is worshipped at church compared to how much God is worshipped in our homes, you know, even if we worship every day compared to just once a day, think about multiplying how many people are combined in that worship. Y'all get what I'm saying? 
Church is just that multiplied effort of prayer and worship and God's presence is there ready and waiting for people to come to it. Again, you can find him anywhere, but you are multiplying your efforts when you just look for where he would naturally be expected. Imagine if you knew nothing of God. You had no uh, no cognitive idea about him. And you're like, man, I need to find God. And you're just a person on the street. Wouldn't you think, well, maybe I can find him in that church. It's, it's really as simple as that. What I'm, what I'm just really getting at over and over is that to, to really see God in your life when you're, when you're looking for him and when you're wanting to see that power, it's really the basics and simplicity of our faith. Honestly. And I've met a lot of people that have convinced themselves out of being a part of any ministry, being a part of any church. I mean, and and I'm not talking about like when you can't go to church physically. I understand that. I totally get it. I'm talking about when you're like completely disengaged. There's so many people that are very spiritually minded in their heads, but have no connection to church, no connection to even reading their own Bible. They just feel it's this void, yet they're, they justify themselves of being far away from God and say that they're close to God. Y'all, y'all know what I'm getting at? And it's just such a beneficial thing to do the basics of our faith, the simplicity of gathering with other believers in pursuit of God. And I don't want to overlook this part where it says that that at the evening sacrifices, you know, Daniel was a person that in his spare time, he was really pursuing God. There's other parts of Daniel where it said that he would pray three times a day and that nothing would stop him from praying those three times a day. You see him going to the temple regularly and keep in mind that he's not a priest. Daniel's not a, a pastor or a priest or he's a nobody in a sense. He he's, he's was placed in the authority of a government position, but he's not a priest or anything. And that's, I think, what makes all of his prayers so meaningful because it's not his job. He's praying for his country and it's not his job to. Y'all get that? And I think what happens for us is that when the opportunity comes for us to have that pursuit of God, whether it's in prayer, reading the Bible, going to church, because of how busy our lives are, we end up going to places of escape instead. What are those places of escape? Netflix, games, it's really anything that is a place where we go to to check out of our minds, right? Social media, uh, that y'all told me that. <laughs> like, I didn't realize I was uh, on social media five hours a day. Like, dang, <laughs> I didn't know that either. <laughs> but... See, those are all places of escape to where it's a place where we can run away from our responsibilities for a minute, a place where we don't have to uh, do anything. We just sit there and wait for time to pass by because our days are so overwhelming, we, we're trying to find just a minute to escape. Y'all know what I'm saying? But if we, instead of escaping our lives, if we would bring our lives to God instead, it is so much more edifying to where 
we literally are carrying our burdens to Jesus instead of just putting them down for a minute. We're, we're casting our cares, our worries on God instead of just putting our luggage down and getting a breather. Y'all feel what I'm saying? In the moment, just like it says here, the moment that he began praying, a command was given. The moment that we begin, begin any pursuit, whether through prayer or any other devotion, heaven is activated for us. We often wonder, like, how quickly does God want to answer my prayer? And it says immediately that a command was given. I, I don't know what angels are doing. <laughs> like, like, if they're sitting around in heaven, like, I don't, it's so mysterious to me. But I imagine that they were like, maybe Gabriel was watching YouTube. I don't know. And maybe he's scrolling through memes. And, and all of a sudden, a prayer was finally given from somebody. Daniel prayed. And, and God is like, go. And he's like, oh, you know, and just like got up real quick. Maybe, he was probably like waiting by the gate. Like, I'm ready to, for any beck and command, God. Like, I'm so yours. Probably, right? That's why he was like an archangel. Um <laughs> But to know that the moment that we, we begin pursuit, that, uh, that heaven is activated, I mean, even though the spiritual world that's being described is not seen by us, the Bible is telling us how it operates. It's giving glimpses to how it operates to us. And so even though we do not see, it takes faith to really believe that heaven is activated by our prayer. And so if we were to stop just being insecure and doubting that our prayers are meaningful and just believe that heaven is activated when I pray, it, it, it makes it so much easier to know that, that it's, not, it's not on you what, how the prayer is answered, how it's fulfilled, but that it is on you to just simply pray. Y'all feel what I'm saying? Now, let's... Let's go on in Daniel to the next chapter, and we're going to talk about the unexpected results of fasting. Because we all just fasted, right? You're like, uh. <laughs> Habsies, like. In Daniel chapter 10, verse 1 through 3, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Cyrus of Persia, Daniel, also known as Belteshazzar, had another vision. He understood that the vision concerned events certain to happen in the future, times of war and great hardship. When this vision came to me, I, Daniel, had been in mourning for three whole weeks. Some of you are like, that's what it was like for me this last 21 days, just pure mourning. <laughs> All that time, I had eaten no rich food, no meat, no wheat, no sweet, right? <laughs> it says no meat or wine crossed my lips, and I used no fragrant lotions until those three weeks had passed. What This is about three years after the last chapter. And at this point, he is now with King Cyrus of Persia, meaning Babylon was overthrown. And what we see later on is that now it is, uh, he's under a king that is about to liberate Israel. Israel is soon going to be reinstituted as a country, and the king is actually going to supply all their needs to rebuild the temple, come back as a nation. It's going to be a powerful thing. And before all this is happening, Daniel is getting a vision of the future and what's to come. And he starts fasting and praying. 
And what is so, I think, very interesting is that Daniel's fasting acted, activated a breakthrough for the future. And all throughout this vision and everything, he's given understanding for the present. And what, from my experience, I think that we usually want the opposite of that. We usually want the breakthrough right now and not for the future. And we want understanding for the future and insight and direction for the future. We don't really care about having understanding right now. Y'all know what I'm saying? And yet, the results of fasting in this scenario shows us that breakthrough is for the future and that understanding is for right now. And I think when we have that different kind of expectation of results, it makes it a lot more understandable when you have something nine months later happen and you're like, man, this was a miracle. Well, you prepared that miracle and you're fasting at the beginning of the year. Y'all know what I'm saying? I felt like like miracles for me happened nine months after our 21-day fast last year. Even at the end of the year, right up to December, miracles happening for things I was praying for at the beginning of that year. And if, if we understand these things, it, it makes us, it allows you to be so much more patient of what you expect from your fasting. And notice that when Daniel's fasting, it, it, what's so amazing is that he's fasting for a breakthrough that he doesn't get to fully experience. It says in the last chapter of Daniel, it says how all these things are to come. As for you, you will have rest and peace. Saying like, you're going to die. <laughs> and so to know that Daniel was fasting for his country, for breakthrough for others, Think about that. Do you really think for yourself when you were fasting, were you thinking I'm fasting for others during this fast? You know what I'm saying? He was, his fasting brought breakthrough for his community, to those around him. And it show, it's just such a powerful statement. It's such a powerful book to realize that you, you fasting, even if you were fasting all for yourself, which is fine, that it will naturally impact those around you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. That when you fast, when you pray, you cause a, a, an atmosphere of change and breakthrough to just encompass your life. And you're bringing breakthrough to other people just by you being involved in their life because you're fasting, because you're praying. Does that make sense? So let's, let's finish up this last part of Daniel. It says in chapter 10, verse 10 through 14, just a couple verses down. He's having these crazy visions. If you're wondering what's going on in these visions, I encourage you to read through the book of Daniel. It says, Just then a hand touched me and lifted me still trembling to my hands and knees. And the man said to me, Daniel, you are very precious to God. So listen carefully to what I have to say to you. Stand up for I have been sent to you. When he said this to me, I stood up still trembling. Then he said, don't be afraid, Daniel, since the first day you began to pray for understanding 
and to humble yourself before your God. Your request, your request has been heard in heaven, and I have come in answer to your prayers. But somebody say but. I'll say it like it was with two T's. It's just a, a sentence interrupter. But for twenty-one days, the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia blocks my way. That was 21 days that this angel is saying that this demon was blocking his way. How long was Daniel fasting? 21 days, right? Then Michael, one of the archangels, came to help me, and I left him there with the spirit prince of the kingdom of Persia. Now I am here to explain what will happen to your people in the future. Notice he's saying to your people, not to you. For this vision concerns a time yet to come. Now, this is a bizarre scenario. And I, I really think that people who try to explain like, as if they really know like to the T what the spirit, spirit world is like are crazy. Like we only get glimpses and shadows of what the spirit, spirit world looks like. Like... Like, how can I make a whole theology off of this? Like, the spirit prince blocked my path. <laughs> like, <laughs> I like don't even know where to start. But reading this, we get such a mysterious glimpse of what the spiritual world is like. To where, for 21 days, while Daniel felt the urge to pray and fast, nobody told him to pray and fast. But he just felt led to. And notice how the Holy Spirit causes us and unctions us to pray sometimes have you ever gotten that feeling like you you just feel like something's wrong you don't really know what and it's often those burdens that we get when nothing is going on is a burden to pray for something or somebody and it says that daniel fasted and prayed for 21 days nowhere else do we see this increment of time it's only for daniel that he was praying for 21 days I don't know anywhere in Leviticus or Deuteronomy where it says, and when your nation fasts, fast for 21 days, once a year. It doesn't say that. It was a peculiar time frame that Daniel felt led to pray and fast. And now he's seeing that this archangel is coming to him and saying, for those 21 days that you were praying and fasting, you were assisting me in fighting against these demons and principalities. A principality is, the way it's described, is a, as like an army of demons, and it's the commander. It's given territory over a nation. It says the prince of Persia, this demon of Persia. It's a territorial demon. And it's crazy to think of our world actually having that kind of exchange spiritually. And again, I'm not going to act like I can see clearly how the spirit world operates out of this verse, but I'm given a glimpse that our prayers are so meaningful and so powerful that it breaks bondages and gives liberty to entire cities, towns, countries when we pray and fast. And we're assisting in the spirit world for the liberty of people. That's a powerful thing. And if you even go like, like if we try to go a little super spiritual, when you go to cities and to towns, there's usually a trend of bondage there's a trend of bondage like it, it is not always normal for alcoholism to be so prevalent in a city yet it is in ours addiction is is not common to be so prevalent in a city but it is in ours see those are those are 
principalities of those kinds of addictions and spirits that, that are literally, their job is to bind people like that. And when we pray against those things for our city, not just for our families, not just for ourselves, we are assisting in the freedom of other people in our community to know God, to know true freedom. Y'all get what I'm saying? And to, we, I really want us to capture that, that the simple fact is that Daniel's fasting and prayers were fighting against demonic activity in his community. And so are ours. It, this fast that we had today, this, that we ended yesterday, we're, this was a 21 days of fasting for Gravetop Church. And I think it's a powerful thing that we've made like a Bermuda Triangle in our city. We were out in, uh, off of I-10-410. We went down to the west side, and now we're here in like Leon Valley. We made a Bermuda Triangle of, of protection for <laughs> with anybody within this, this part of the city, right? And we, we've been praying and fasting at each of those places. And it just you participating in whatever way, fashion, or form, not only was it incredibly life-giving to you, but it made a difference and the people around you, for your families, for your communities. And remember that those breakthroughs happen in the future, not always right now. And so just know that, and when, just know that at some point in this year, you're gonna hear a story, you're gonna, someone's gonna share something that happened, and you're gonna know, man, that was when we were fasting and praying. Y'all know what I'm saying? And so, I wanna end on, on this note. We're gonna jump out of Daniel. Y'all, Y'all thank Daniel real quick. Daniel was a nice guy. Just give him a little golf clap. Like, thanks, Daniel. That was 21-day fast. Now we, well, now we do it too, Daniel. Thanks. <laughs> he didn't even tell us to do that. We, so we'll, we'll do that too. If it worked for him, we'll try it out. And so I want us to end on this, this thought. The, and that is that the difference in authority between emotionalism and spiritualism emotionalism and spiritualism in Christianity today I would project to you that especially in our country that we've made Christianity mostly about emotions and little about spiritual truth y'all know what I'm saying it is much less about true spiritual authority as a Christian and about 80% is about emotions and I want to share this verse. In 1 Corinthians 4.20, it says, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. That's a good verse, right? That's one of those standalone verses. Like, you put that on a coffee mug, it's like, blah, out. Watch out. I'm drinking coffee today. It's like, dang. And what this verse is emphasizing is that as Christians we carry God's power and authority and the different here's a here's a clear difference and I, I really feel like you guys will capture this between emotionalism and spiritualism emotionalism is all about me while spiritualism is all about others does that make sense let me, let me share, uh, I'll give two different kinds of prayers. 
I'll first give an emotional prayer. And then I'll give a spiritual prayer to emphasize the difference in authority as a Christian. An emotional prayer, say, Susie is in the hospital and she asks me to pray for her to get better. Okay? This is an emotional prayer. God, I ask that you just show Susie that you love her and that you want to heal her. I, I pray that she would just understand that your ways are perfect and that you plan every good thing to work out for her and that, uh, that she's the head and not the tail and that you have good plans for her and to make her, to make her well again in Jesus' name. That's an emotional prayer. Now this is a spiritual prayer. God, I, I pray for Susie to get completely well right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for her body to recover and to, for her to be fully well and healed in the name of Jesus. I command all sickness to leave and for her to get up right now well. And that if it's not right now that this week you would cause her to recover day by day feeling tremendously better and that this sickness would not remain. Do y'all see the difference in that prayer? Now, the emotional prayer, didn't it sound very nice? Would Susie have felt encouraged probably? Maybe? <laughs> Do you notice that I never prayed for her to get well in my, emotion, in my emotional prayer? I never prayed for her to be healed. Why would I not do that in my emotional prayers? Because if you pay attention, most emotional prayers really never pray for a breakthrough. Because they're so reserved and, and doubtful of the prayer being answered that they cover it with words and emotions instead for it to be a pretty prayer rather than a powerful prayer. Because at the essence of it is pure doubt for God to answer the prayer. And so I'm going to protect God by just blanketing them with emotions instead of them seeing God as a, a God that doesn't answer prayers. Did y'all see that? And can I be just frank with you guys? I've, when people ask me to pray, I, I will pray. And there's been plenty of times where the, the healing did not happen. The miracle did not work out. And the, for me, I decided a long time ago that I'm going to just pray and hope for the best and that it is not up to me whether the prayer is answered or not. And there have been miracles answered and there has been devastation when the miracle hasn't happened. But what, what I've found, and there's been moments where people have called for me to pray and there's been moments where I've been a pastor praying for somebody and other pastors showed up. Other ministers showed up to pray too at different times. And there's, a, there's, one, there's one time where someone told me after everything, after they had like four or five pastors come to pray, that I was the only one that prayed for the person to actually get better. Mm. That everybody else just prayed for comfort, peace, mm -hmm. but never prayed for an actual miracle to happen. And guess what? My prayer was the one that wasn't answered. They didn't get better. And afterwards, the, the people, you would think that all those other ministers, what they were trying to do is protect God. Protect God from the unanswered prayers so that people won't be disappointed. But at the end of it, those people told me that they, they honored God so much more. They reflected on how much more God was seen in my unanswered prayer, dependent on God, 
rather than the emotional ones that was dependent on self. And at the end of it all, God was more glorified in the spiritual prayer that wasn't answered than the emotional prayer that meant nothing. Does that make sense? See, it's just as it's up to God how prayers are answered, it's up to the individual what they do when it's answered or not. And it is just pure judgment when we cast an expectation on somebody to abandon God if this prayer isn't answered. Y'all get what I'm saying? And we're judging people by saying, well, if this prayer is not answered, they're going to probably leave God. That's messed up. Let them decide that. Let them, you're not their fortune teller. And so if, if that means that we're not responsible for how a person responds, we're not responsible for, for God, the way God responds, and all we are called to do is simply pray. I mean, to have a job without responsibility, that's a great, that's a great win. All we have to do is pray and whatever happens, happens. But I, I'm telling you, so many times God was glorified to a person. They, they were closer to God after that unanswered prayer than, than any of the other crappy ones, than any of the other pretty ones. And so step out in faith and believe God and just trust him and leave it to him. And, and that goes for when you're praying for others. And please make it for when you're praying for yourself and your own family too. I mean, these, do you, you know, praying those pretty prayers, it can be so emotional for that moment, but I feel like it is so decaying afterwards because you only can feel comfort for that moment of the prayer while true spiritual prayer, it has longevity. Does that make sense? And now you going at this verse that we were at, that the kingdom of God is not a lot of talk, but of power. Let's look at what Paul says right before this verse. Let's, come, let's look at it in context. It says in verse 19, But I will come and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. And what this speaks to me is how how pretty emotionalism sounds in church, but how empty it is of God's power. It, in Colossians 2.8, let me read this last verse. It says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. You know, Paul is saying some really heavy things about this, this essence of pretentious talks, pretty sounding speeches. And I'm not, what, I'm, what I'm not doing is trying to attack other people or other churches or anything like that. What I, what I want to project to everybody here is that Christianity is not about a pretty talk is not just about feeling better at, or feeling even feeling just emotionally encouraged. It's really about God's raw power in our lives. For, and, and what is one of the most powerful things that we see God do? 
It's not miracles. It's not healings. It's not... uh, What it really is, is redemption. When you see a person truly redeemed, it is the most powerful thing to witness in somebody's life. And that, that redemption is power. And it happens from spirituality. It happens from spiritual prayers. It doesn't happen. I, I, honestly, guys, I have not seen true redemption in a person that was completely emotionalized. If anything, I saw it just like turn into a black hole. But when you take somebody and show them the true spirit and power of God, redemption happens in such a powerful and miraculous way. So much more than catering to every emotion in a person's life. Not catering, but overemphasizing and pouring out more and more emotion. We are emotional beings, but we are also spiritual beings. And our spiritual selves are the most powerful, long-lasting things about us. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And the, the final thing that I can compare this to is if you've ever had a moment where you were truly discouraged and you sat down, you had one moment where you sat down and someone talked for you to you for an hour just about emotional exchange and it was just an emotional conversation and it took an hour of talking and you may be like, yeah, you're right, you know, but I still feel bad. And you still leave even though maybe with understanding but not changed. Now compare it to a time that maybe you felt that same kind of discouragement and you had a moment in God's presence during worship, during church, whatever. A moment of worship where you felt God's presence and like that, you felt completely different. You literally felt the discouragement leave. You felt a true change within yourself. You couldn't explain it but you just knew that God had touched you. Y'all know what I'm talking about? That is the difference between spiritualism and emotionalism. And we as Christians, we as a church, we should strive to glorify God. And when we, it says, this whole message is that it is really different than what we expect. We expect it to be this complicated thing that needs to be explained over and over that we need to go about challenging ways to activate heaven. But it's so much different because it's incredibly simple. So simple that God doesn't even leave us an explanation. That a moment, in a moment of God's presence, someone can be changed and, and have breakthrough in their lives. That is unexplainable. It just happens. And that is what's different about our faith. And it's just the raw power of God and the loving power of his nature that a moment in his presence a a touch from God is so redemptive and so changing so with that being said I want us to all bow our heads and close our eyes and and we can we can actually start going into worship already but before we stand up I, I want you to I want you to find in your heart a moment of a moment of reflection, a moment of thought between you and God. And I want you to think about 
what your thoughts about him really are. Ask him what his thoughts about you really are. And I want you to really just ask God for his power to be evident in your life today. For heaven to be activated in your life today. And if you're here, as we about about to get engaged in worship, if you're here and you just know that this presence that we're talking about, if you haven't experienced it before, but you want to, and you need to, and you haven't before, it happens by starting a relationship with Jesus. And sometimes we start one and we walk away from him. And whatever it is for you, if you need that from God, I want you to raise your hand right where you're at. Amen. So I want us to do something a little bit different. I want y'all to stay seated for a moment. I want you to pray. I want you to have thoughts towards God, victory in your life, for his presence to be in your life. I want you to really, everyone here, just focus on God's presence. And I want, uh, I want the music to turn up and the lights to turn off. And I, I'll tell us right now uh, when we can stand up. But I want you to focus on God's presence. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.